is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, 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 the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast where we have massive Seahawks news. We thought this may happen. Geno Smith has re-signed with the Seattle Seahawks per Jordan Schultz, per Adam Schefter afterwards, per Ian Rappaport, so, and per Tom Pellicero. Jordan Schultz has it as uh, Geno Smith and Seahawks uh, finalizing a three-year contract extension worth $105 million with the ability to earn $52 million in the first calendar year. Sources tell the score who... Uh, Jordan Schultz works for. Gino had earlier tweeted uh, something saying like, thank God. God is great. What was it, Griff? He said, thank the Lord. I mean, you you got the sentiment either way. Yeah. So he was obviously uh, happy with this. This news comes after uh, Derek Carr re-signed. Well, no, did not re-sign. Derek Carr signed with New Orleans Saints. And as often happens with these kind of deals, it takes one domino to fall and then a few others to fall. The other factor here is that they got this done before the franchise tag deadline, which was tomorrow. So this kind of had to happen. Seattle tagging Gino wasn't really an option. And then his ability to go negotiate with other teams on the open market would potentially have raised his price. But Griff, Immediate takeaways on that. It works out to uh, three years, $35 million a year. Yeah. Is that, was that a leading comment that I didn't pick up on? Well, I should probably have asked, finished with a question again. <laughs> what's your, what's your thoughts on it? Are you happy? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's so one, I'm happy that they brought him back. Um, if it, it, it feels like the, Real, like the realistic ideal uh like contract length amount amount per year etc um <clears throat> so yeah like you wanted to get right in there around that like 30 to 35 million mark obviously they're right on the the ceiling of that when the, when the car news came in um when i saw that th- those figures were like 37.5 i thought okay that's a really good sign because it doesn't mean that gino is saying 40 million or i'm out of here which thought maybe like maybe that could happen he could he could in theory have got that somewhere like after how good a season was and you know he had the leverage he's hitting the open market yeah yeah so it was just it was it kind of ended up being what most people thought it would be right um so i i feel like it's a really good deal for both both sides uh you know if gino had another year like a body more of a body of work, you know, maybe if he had two years like this, then the Seahawks might've been really in trouble because then you'd be forced to shell out 40, maybe 45 million even um, because that's what that play gets right now. So it's great for Gino because he gets this amount of cash based off of one year play. Awesome for him, you know, given his whole career arc, the way it's gone, you know, that's, that's awesome. Um, although on some level it's kind of tragic because he could have shown this much earlier, right? But then the Seattle side of it 
if I mean what this comes down to is if he uh if he plays more like the first 13 weeks of the season which the Seahawks had like the sixth most efficient passing offense in the league during that stretch if if that's more true Gino projecting forward then given what they're paying the quarterback position they're like of the top 12 quarterback contracts in the league, they're more efficient than like eight of those. So from uh, of the teams that are paying their quarterback, they're in, they're in a, they have more, they have less cap strain um, than, than most of those teams. So like from a relative sense, they're not, they're not disadvantaging this. Is that a word? Um, yes, they're, it is a word. Not, You're doing great. Thank you. They're, they're not putting themselves at a disadvantage as much as those teams. And then the other thing that that is at play here is that they have a surplus of recently drafted and soon to be drafted players that will be high snap players at important positions that are obviously going to have be, they are obviously going to be playing on a rookie contract themselves. So if you want to get the equivalent there, um on the open market, say you didn't have those draft picks and you wanted the equivalent player, but you want to go to the open market, then that margin between the rookie contract and that free agent signing makes up for what you're paying with Gino. So really like they kind of have balanced their books here in terms of cap expenditure and total talent on the team. That's why I'm really not worried about this at all. And then again, on top of that, you have the idea of, well, of the teams that are paying their quarterbacks, they're not paying them 45, 50, like a lot of teams are going to have to start paying guys um, and you're getting close enough to that kind of production with the exception of two or three names. Um, so I, I see this as a win-win um, it, it, it's, you know, sense making. And if they hit this upcoming draft, they, they will have a as competitive of a window as you can realistically get for the next three seasons and chance to, Go for it. Chance to compete for real. If things continue to trend, I mean, it's assumptions, but that's the same thing with any team, right? The, the the only the only way to get rid of assumptions is you have Patrick Mahomes or peak Aaron Rodgers or peak Tom Brady or peak Peyton Manning. Even Drew Brees isn't enough to have, you know, the assumption with with them not even being able to get back to the championship game. You know, exactly. So, Gino wise that. In contract wise, that $52 million, that's very uh, ambiguous phrasing. Schefter also mentioned $52 million in the first year, but there was no real specific breakdown. And seeing how this contract is constructed, including that $52 million, like I imagine some of that will be uh, like roster bonuses and your usual stuff. But if Seattle's paying the t- full total of $52 million, you'd imagine they're a genuine Super Bowl contender because Gino's playing out of his mind for the whole season and the offense is really popping like that must be like surely to earn all of that that will be like an all pro kind of deal mm-hmm. uh, uh it'll be interesting to see how how that shakes out and the, the first calendar year thing well is that then a roster bonus for the following off season as well um obviously it's you know agency kind of phrasing isn't it but the other thing with the, how the contract is constructed is is this a thing where the first year has more guarantees and then the second and third year leave it open for, um, you know, make it a bit more less guaranteed, a bit more team kind of 
friendly if they were wanting to move on from Geno Smith. And we'll talk about uh, quarterback picks in a bit, but I, we need to see how that all kind of shakes out. Is it really like a two-year deal with with the last year fake? You know, is it a one-year deal or or a three-year deal? Like, lots yeah. of things to kind of unpack that we we cannot answer. But on the face of it, you'd assume there are incentives that boost the numbers for Gino, but also protect the team for the fact he is 32 years old. He has only had one year like this in the NFL. And yeah, but also for Gino, you know, they're going to reward him if he can, if he shows that he can play well and it gives him the shot at another, it being a three-year deal, another pro day if he's still popping at 35 years old. Right. Now you mentioned, Griff, there was that 13-week kind of run. And if you haven't already, please do listen to our offensive review not it wasn't it wasn't vulgar it was a review of the Seahawks offense in 2022 where we broke down a lot of the data and the metrics behind Seattle's attack for the season and there was obviously a lot of Geno Smith talk now in that piece we kind of explained how you know why the offense dipped Geno uh, didn't play quite as well but his process remained the same it's more that the results weren't there he was let down by poor pass uh, catching, even though his uh, catchable throw percentage went down, I, I'm not sure I agreed with that. Uh, it was Ports Info Solutions who did that. I think really receivers just stopped catching the kind of balls that, w- for whatever reason, that they were catching. I think there was pass pro limitations. And Griff, you mentioned this young group around Gino. The tackles, we've already said, you know, they're rookies. The, the, well, they were rookies. Now they're second year guys. You'd hope and you'd expect that you know they'll come back and be much more uh, sustainably consistent throughout the year now they've had a, a experience in their first year of the of the pros also on the interior of the offensive line there's big questions at center and right guard for Seattle they have to address them but if they do and they can get more sustainable play out of the interior of the offensive line that you know pass protection is massive for Gino and his type of game and we saw what he could do when he had reliable pass protection now, you know, did Gino try to do too much sometimes? Yes. Uh, di- did he, you know, have a fumbling I- issue? And has he shown that? Yeah, kind of. But um, overall, he earned this money. Uh, I, I'm really glad it's Seattle who's paid him it. I think it's a slight value for this team. And I think it's also good for Gino that there's these, these incentives as well. And it's massive that... Seattle has the most important position in football addressed. We saw, like, I know because because it's just that one season sample size and because of the kind of funky, like, fumble and the image people have of that, or fumbles, I should say, I think there's some caution with this. But really, like, you, you got to be happy. Like, this is a quality quarterback. You can believe what you saw when, you know, at Drift, you thought Gino was going to prove a lot of people wrong based off the stuff he showed in 2021, like the, that Jacksonville game, for instance, where it was famously good beating a variety of coverages with brilliant throws in an excellent work in the pocket. I started really believing after watching the preseason where he hardly lit it up on fire from a results standpoint, but you saw a process where I was like, oh my gosh, this is like someone who's quarterbacking. And that this is going to play well. And and we both said he'd proved the doubters wrong at the start of the season before we'd seen anything. And lo and behold, he did. And, and 
what Pete Carroll spoke about as well is how well he handled all the attention off the field and and developed and grew. And he's obviously a massively important team leader culture-wise for the for the locker room as well, which is another thing with, you know, if people are saying you got to, you know, let's move on uh, and just we're not in the right stage for the roster uh, for, for a quarterback. Well, yeah, but you, that's... That's just not how relationships relationships or team building works, really. Like you can try and build teams like that, but I, I don't think you'll be successful. Now, Griff, this draft is now even more important. It already was important, but now you've paid a quarterback, and again, we'll see how it shakes out. It's even more important. Mm-hmm. Is Seattle's roster fixed by uh, another offseason, some low lower free agency additions and then a uh, massively stocked draft picks and and draft class i don't know but but like all geno needs if you like is just good pass protection so they they got to get a center and a right guard in and then probably you know a, another complementary receiving option i mean they're they're a 9 and 8 roster with the current like the current like potential energy to be a 10 and 7 11 and 6 roster just by virtue of your incumbents improving because they're so young and then also the possibility there's a range of outcomes there but the possibility of year two with Gino, the continuity having some ability there to make even the passing efficiency improve even more um just just with that just with that aspect of it so i think they have a nine and eight kind of caliber roster floor with the ability to get better just what they have but then on top of that they have like the first or second most draft capital um of any team in the league right now so they couldn't be in a better position to so could they could they more or less build the team that they want to have um yeah they could absolutely like it's not out of the realm of possibility um the picks have to be right you know you can't you can't flub the picks like last year they they had an extraordinary amount of picks and they hit all their picks for the most part and the jury's out on on some some of the guys but um you know so it's it's the same thing with uh with um uh this season so and also you look at their needs the biggest question mark will be well can they get that pass rusher um you know like the cliff there are cliffs at each. Well, five five is a question mark. We don't know what will happen there between Carter Anderson and then the Tyree Wilson proposition. But obviously, there's depth. Like day two, there are some exciting potential options. Um, but then the draft is really strong at center. It is decently strong at guard. Um, those are the weaknesses on the on the offensive line, right? Um, there are some really cool. De- it's a really strong corner class. I mean, the the ceiling isn't there. That was there last year between Gardner and Stingley coming out. But you've got some really high-quality first-rounders. Um, uh, and then and then there's some really exciting, you know, athletic projects with um, on day two and day three. I mean, extraordinary amount of, like, like there's so many names, and, and we'll get into them. So they've – they can – is is how i view it they absolutely can kind of build their team and then get another year of growth 
you know, a year or two of continuity out of them and, and they, they could be monstrous. I mean, th- these things can get turned around really quick. Like l- look at the Jets defense, look at the Eagles defense. Um, l- look at the 49ers having elite defense and then f- plummeting and then bouncing back again. You know, like it's, it, these things can turn around quick and they have a pretty good nucleus, I think. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think, you know, they gotta, we should all be shooting for the stars with, uh, with where they're at right now. I think that they're on, I think they're on the right track and the Geno contract doesn't hinder this whatsoever. If anything, the retaining Geno gets the most out of everything around him and vice versa. But if you didn't have a good quarterback play with the ability to build all this talent up around it, whoever the quarterback is, it would be a shame if you had bad quarterback play and you felt like you had a good roster. You don't want to be a quarterback away every single look at the Broncos. Like they were the epitome of a quarterback away and they never got the quarterback and they might have the quarterback next year. Who knows? Um, But like they didn't this year and they finally thought they did. So it's like, sometimes you just have to, you just have to embrace having, you know, one in the hand versus two in the bush here. And um, yeah. There you go. And the closer that this got and with the NFL combine, which we're going to preview, review, sorry, later, the closer this got to the franchise tag deadline. And after that combine where we saw all these quarterbacks, which we've heard lots about start throwing and the incredible testing of Anthony Richardson, I think people started really considering you know the alternative i think certain fans were pushing for the alternative and kind of buying into maybe not paying geno smith or maybe franchise tagging him etc etc griff in your eyes does this preclude them from taking a quarterback at five if they if they love one of these guys so the I think the the precise way the contract is structured will really tip that if if they were to I, I feel like the third year matters. So if there's no guarantees on the third year, I feel like that might signal their willingness to take a quarterback because then they have the fifth year option and then they can still have three years out of this guy if they really like him. Um, and then also it's maybe just a prudent get out of jail free card if like. Gino's arm falls off or something by being 32 anything can happen I suppose but you know by the time you're 35 but he has so little tread on his tires like I think he'll be fine I don't think that will be the reason um so I I, I can see I can see it it would be really um for me it would be really frustrating because pick number five is just such a golden opportunity like if Anderson or Carter and I understand they mixed feelings about Carter with recent things, but or the idea of trading back to seven, eight, nine, ten and taking Wilson or whoever you like. If that's off the table, then I understand going quarterback. But I don't know. I still someone mentioned it in the chat, and it's an idea that people have thrown out there. I also like the idea of turning pick number five into a 2024 first round pick as well, trading back this year still maybe pick in the late first and then getting another first for next year to keep the um to keep the the party going in terms of draft capital but yeah and that's definitely possible uh you know if especially if like one of these quarterbacks is there at five and a team loves them 
say a team who's coming up from really far back now the lions pick after the seahawks right but then after that there's teams who could be interested in quarterbacks so there is you know there's a scenario where they are able to do that and maybe they consider that i mean we will talk about the combine but will levis felt seahawky in 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 like a schneider way in the you know his traits and then Anthony Richardson just proves the combine, like with, with the way he tested, but also just the conversation around his game that he is very much a kind of Schneider style quarterback. So, like as you said, Griff, that the 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 way Gino's contract is constructed, and when do we find that out? Because if if you're Seattle, like there would be reason to try and conceal the construction of the contract for beyond the draft. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, I I can definitely see a world where they take Anthony Richardson at five, but it is also you know I can uh, empathise with that being a frustrating feeling when you know you've got the quarterback now. Okay, what Anthony Richardson represents potential wise is something that Gino uh, will never have, like uh, athletics wise. Like the the whole point of the that conversation is that he, you know, ceiling wise could be on that. Mahomesy kind of level that you mentioned, Griff, but that's a kind of ridiculous expectation. Um, even though the, the traits are there to to achieve it, that that's a that's kind of like Mahomes is one of one and probably going to be the the best at the position we've ever seen. So, like, right. what, what are we talking about here? But but Gino well, is not Gino is not. Uh, we saw when plays break down, you know, he was he was right improvising, but he's not going to realistically be able to overcome like inconsistent uh, or poor pass protection he he needs uh solid pass protection you know to to succeed and even thrive like he when he when he had consistent pass pro he was really really good and you can kind of sync up the the, the decline of the overall offense with the pass protection becoming more inconsistent as we've already talked about yeah. Um, and then the other thing with the other quarterbacks is like the idea of drafting Stroud just in a vacuum is totally fine. He's a really good prospect, but like Stroud is just drafting Gino again, as far as like what he would do for your offense. Drafting Stroud is just to maintain, like maintain what, to maintain the idea of what you already have with Gino, which again is very good. But then like, like that statement is just, it's pure cap numbers at that point. It's Richardson is the idea of something so far out there and, you know, enticing, which again, like you said, it, it makes sense. The theory behind it. Will Levis is really strong arm. He, he can be super accurate. He can also be kind of inaccurate in the shorter area, but you like the idea there is, well, if you coach him up, he can be kind of like a Tannehill at his best out of the gate with a little less movement a little more stationary Tannehill. Um, and then I don't think if Bryce Young fell to five, which could happen, I don't think they'd go there. I think that they, their offense is just set up for, even though Bryce Young tries to be a pocket passer and he actually is pretty good at it, you're still trying to translate that to the NFL game with NFL hashes uh, where more of the middle of the field is obscured by the line of scrimmage. And I just don't know if they feel like they have the pieces around the quarterback 
I don't think they think that Young would necessarily be ideal for getting the most out of that, at least early on. So it really only feels like Richardson or Levis makes sense for them. And I just, I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, that's that's my reading it too. A lot, you know, again, re-emphasizing the fact that Schneider is like, that they both seem the most Schneider-like quarterbacks, especially if you're going to take one at five overall. Like if we were talking about these guys as third rounders, then maybe it's slightly different. But It's fun to think now, the time might have changed. You know, if he stayed in college, but who of these guys would Pete have recruited at USC? He would have recruited probably Levis and Stroud. Um, and he probably would have said no to Young and Richardson in all likelihood. But then Schneider would be all over Richardson and well, and Levis just because of pure arm talent. I don't know. And, and really, this, this gives you this is the whole thing of like. Gino resigning gives you a baseline to the offense. Even like at his worst, you know, like he's a very, you know, he knows how to play quarterback. Um, he's at a very um, solid level, even even at his worst. I'd I would say the worst we saw last year, anyway. And with the rookies, obviously Gino's resigned now, but we didn't know that I was for certain that was going to happen. If they'd just gone with a rookie this year. There's this complete unknown. Like each rookie has a flaw, which could become like, or well, it has flaws, but there's one flaw which could become like a fatal flaw in their game and just completely destabilize the offense. Obviously, the drafting is never a certainty. If teams could draft a quarterback with certainty who'd be good, then the the football would be very boring. But the, these quarterbacks, like Richardson, his accuracy and his his feet and the, the 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 just the inconsistency, <laughs> frustratingly so, given you know all the all the positives to his game, you know you don't know what that looks like in year one. Now, hopefully he doesn't end up with some you know, at some poor team like Houston where he they force him to be the guy uh, from day one. Um, <laughs> I have mm-hmm. a feeling that may end up being uh, his unfortunate fate. But you know if in Seattle now that now they've got Geno. Yep, that does obviously allow you to develop someone in a way that everyone will point to the comparison of Alex Smith and and Patrick Mahomes and how Kansas City handled that with Andy Reid. But also, yeah, uh, if if it you know it's just nice to it's just a really good assurance that like Geno Smith, he, we've seen he at his best he was absolutely he was like an MVP candidate quarterback winning from the pocket at his worst it was pretty obvious that he was being let down by a lot of other factors in the offense and he still kept the offense kind of ticking over to for in the main so he's he's like he's a great he's a great quarterback and it's a really good really good deal for both sides and to see uh seattle with that rather than what could have been the alternative is very reassuring and shows that you know with a with a draft class as we've said and with free agency they if they hit on the draft class then they they could really compete like really compete so yeah agreed agreed and yeah the the argument can be made for all rookies uh john but 
uh, quarterback is so important compared to like other rookies. Like if if another rookie doesn't hit immediately or doesn't contribute immediately, then you know you you don't play them, and it doesn't matter. If you take a quarterback and they don't they don't contribute well immediately, your whole team is destroyed. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's so, Gino done. So, so how about um, how about that, how about that combine? Yeah, sure. I'll I'll do an intro for it again. So okay. if Ty wants, he can he can do a split. Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast, where we are reviewing the NFL Combine. Yes, people ran around. Griff, we've just heard that Geno Smith's been re-signed, so all those quarterbacks that everyone's getting excited about, we can still be excited about, but perhaps less so. What was the big takeaway for you from this? Um... Some of these corners are incredibly fast. Mm. Like there, it feels like there are five guys that are people talk about as this year's Tariq Woolen. Um, like I can't even remember all their names. It's insane. And some of the safeties too. Was it the Illinois safeties that were just both of them just running all over the place, jumping all over the place? Um, some of the tight ends had great combines, and I don't even think. The best, I mean, I the best tight end in the class kind of had a middling combine, but had a combine that matches his tape, so it's not concerning. Um, some of the, uh, I don't know, did the offensive linemen, did any of them do particularly well besides like that t- tackle, Dewand? Um, there was Dewan a Jones, few kind of uh, later round picks in theory who who performed uh, well. But yeah, the other... some some crazy defensive line edge, which we've talked about. We should say we right. talked we, yeah, about we did that already. Duh. Yeah, check out our defensive recap where we we talked about the front seven. But yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, you mentioned the corners, Darius Rush, who I we talked about in the uh, Senior Bowl recap he was one of the more impressive guys to me it was pretty clear he could move well and he was very patient he was kind of a i likened him to a mix of tyreek stevenson who was like the most athletic dude but was very impatient and very raw technically and then in between him and then uh julius brents who i didn't realize would be uh as athletic as he was but first darius rush 6'2 198 pounds 33 and a half inch arms, four three six forty, one five one ten yard split, thirty five inch vertical. Like seriously impressive. And at South Carolina, that's a level of comp that I am very excited to check out on tape. I know at the Senior Bowl he was solid. Then the aforementioned uh, Julius Brents, which I mean, he ran the short shuttle and the three cone. He's basically 6'3", 198 pounds with 34-inch arms, and he ran a 4.05 seconds short shuttle and a 6.63 seconds three-cone, which is just crazy numbers. Also jumped 41.5 inches vertically, uh, and, yeah, he ran a 4.53.40. So I did say he had 4.5 speed, so I was right on that. But, I mean, 
his footwork at the senior bowl was very smooth and he was able to uh, stay in phase with these kind of uh, shorter, uh, slighter kind of slot types when they were breaking in the kind of intermediate routes, like the the ins and the outs. And he was kind of inching off in a pedal rather than uh, staying in a plane because they were just run, trying to run around to his press in an unrealistic manager, uh, unrealistic manner to actual football. So, you know, I just didn't realize that the agility and uh, burst was that good. But I mean, he was competing in the one-on-ones throughout and I don't really think he allowed a catch. And so makes sense. Makes sense. And that's a very exciting one. Yeah. Two long athletic guys who would be awesome for Seattle to have. So did you, did you watch Kevin King at UW? I did. So what did you, what, if you can go back that far in your memory, what, what, what did you, what did you think of him as a prospect? Cause obviously his career has been plagued by injury and he's not the same athlete. I remember he just played so much off. Is yeah. that, that's a hazy recollection. I think he just played so much off and bail technique. And so, um, it so was it may, like the projection yeah. wasn't quite there, but he, his testing was, really good so 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 brent's obviously is he he is what what makes him so exciting is that he's a technique oriented player but he's six three with agility which is just such so hard to find that combination of all three things so yeah, and, is, is and he 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 was actually like at the senior bowl he was pretty violent with his hands like he he wanted yeah. to jam people if he can so yeah. So is he a guy that you're most excited to dive into and like watch? Yeah. Okay. I I await that that in-depth breakdown because oh, that is six three two hundred a sub six six three cone or whatever it was. That's insanity. That that that's such a rare athlete. Um yeah. And so there was one more long guy who who tested well which is probably higher uh, probably a projected to be a higher draft pick than seattle would consider at corner although brent's with that kind of testing and you know it's tape and the senior bowl he might go higher than people first expected same for darius rush but joey porter jr was some people's number one cornerback uh i think the consensus really is he's behind gonzalez and witherspoon but joey porter jr out of penn state he was uh, six foot two and a half, 193 pounds, 34 inch long arms, ran a 44840 and jumped 35 inches vertically, which not the, not the highest vertical jump, but fine. And still running really quick and he's big and he's long and interesting. He didn't do any of the backpedaling drills, uh, which mm. is, I think because most of his college tape that I've seen is he's just pressing. Like he's just a press guy. He doesn't pedal, which I respect it. But uh, right. maybe he was afraid of like falling over or looking awkward and clunky in comparison to the rest of the guys uh, in the pedal drills. So he didn't do those. And he didn't also run a short shuttle off three cone. But yeah. But all of the, all of the corners ran really fast. Like it's pretty cool how there's these kinds of athletes at corner now kind of speaks to how college football and the whole landscape's changed a bit. Yeah. Um <clears throat> how about um how about that Maryland guy, Jacorian Bennett? 
I I DM'd you about him. Did you? I don't remember. Yeah, that. I I, rem- I think I wasn't very flattering. Interesting. No, we didn't get a three cone, but he was he ran a four three at one hundred and ninety pounds. I said to you, Bennett is probably a day three guy last year. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting, but um, <laughs> he tested amazing, so. There's, he has that going for him, but he was at the senior bowl as well, and I wasn't, I wasn't blown away. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Interesting. Yep. Uh, and then nickel wise, I was kind of expecting there to be someone. Now, DJ Turner out of Michigan ran a four two six forty, and he's he's five eleven, but I'm not really sure he's a nickel. Uh, but the other thing is he was 178 pounds, so he's tiny. Mm-hmm. But uh, he tested amazing. He was like, that's the fastest 40 and a one four seven ten 10-yard split. But I'm not so sure uh, that is the nickel answer. I think really the, the nickel that I would like to see them draft, and again, it's another senior bowl guy, but I think Sidney Brown out of Illinois, the safety, he has some yeah. experience deep, but he has like real matchup potential, showed it at the senior bowl. And he was 211 pounds, jumped 40.5 inches vertically, uh, he had a great broad jump as well. Uh, it ran a four four seven forty one five one ten yard split. Like he he had hops and makes sense because he he can move like so. Yeah. That's another kind of interesting dude for for what Seattle needs because like he could play. I mean, what what happened with Jamal Adams is kind of up in the air still. Like he's continuing his recovery. He posted a video today where. It's still obvious that he's he's recovering his right leg. He's running on the treadmill, but you know that's a heck of an injury, as we've spoke about. So jo- there's no reason that like a Jones can come in and be like the the big nickel, like or semi big nickel yeah. in like a three three five package, and also play a bit of safety too. So it would be a nice mix for Seattle's defense. Right. Um, another guy. Along those lines, same theory was that uh, Jamie Robinson, who mm. you know, we talked about him in the Senior Bowl, and I was like, I, the way, thing, the way they described him was that he was a he plays like a thirty three year old who's washed who used to be really good. Oh no! Um, and sure enough, he goes and runs a four six. See, I still feel like that could be a quality player in the NFL, but I you don't draft him to like late third or the fourth round probably. But he just doesn't have the the traits, man. But he's just a good football player. But when he ran that four six, I was like, yeah, that's about that. That's 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 what shows up on tape. So um, long speed isn't there. I don't think he's crazy explosive, but he's just sharp and takes good angles. He's a sure tackler. He's not a hitter, but he's a sure tackler. Um, he understands what offenses are doing. But uh, you know. It's if if, if uh, I'm not going to say something mean about Tedrick Thompson, but <laughs> I just did. Um, if Tedrick Thompson is going to play hundreds of snaps, why couldn't Jamie Robinson, especially? I mean, he's a scheme fit too, and he can play down on the slot as well. Now, yeah. not match up cover one press, but you know, the the ripples match the the vertical hook and the to the cloud side, all that stuff. Um, so yeah, and Similar thing you could say about uh, in terms of, you know, if Tedrick Thompson played safety for Seattle, why couldn't? Uh, so Christopher Smith out of Georgia, who looked like an interesting post fit. 
he only ran a four six two and only jumped thirty three inches. Bad. And see, his calling card was supposed to be range. Like he's supposed to be a rangy guy. Yeah, and and the thing with college is, if you're really smart, you you can you can look range. You can be deceptively rangy. Like Tedrick Thompson is a, a really good example of that. Mm. Well, in um, college hashes, you exactly you use time and space differently. Exactly. Yeah. Because and quarterbacks have to look more to the, you know, to outside. So, so like, like, yeah, when you trigger on something to the boundary, because it's such a short area, it looks, can look rangy because you close really fast. But then if you erase something to the field, it's like, well, the ball was never you know like the you have more time you have time on your side and not every college arm is going to get out there yeah so yeah uh and should say as well brian branch who you kind of theorized i think maybe before you'd watched more guys but also just he's a very good football player he only ran a, a four five eight uh he was kind of like a and only jumped thirty four point five inches vertically, so he just mm-hmm. didn't have the best testing. So I, I don't think he'd look like he'd be the best tester on tape, though. He's just a savvy football player who understands a lot of good things. But my concern with him was like I didn't know if he had the movement skills in the NFL to match up in the slot reliably. Yeah, yeah. And it seems that like testing wise, that would be true as well. I mean, it's it's so hard to find. Like, really, what the the most potentially beyond just an elite shutdown corner like Jalen Ramsey, the the ability to find a, a defensive back who can be a true man up slot who has that ability, but then can do all the other things of all the zone elements of slot play, and be able to be in the the shell and base defense. Like th- that might be the most valuable position in the league right now, and there are just so few of those individuals exist. That's why like they, they platoon it, uh, they they mix and match it. So realistically, finding that guy in the draft is you either find a true slot corner and try to see if you can drill him and train him into being the more safety elements, or you just try to find the most explosive regular safety ever that you can find in the draft. I mean, and see if you can, con- you know, convert him into being a bit of a true man up slot corner as well, because that gives your defense the ultimate flexibility to weave in and out of everything you want to do. Um, so, yeah, but it probably doesn't exist this draft and that's okay because that means nobody else is going to get that guy. Well, I mean, what many, did you how see? many teams even have that player? Did you see what the testing of uh, California's Daniel Scott was? One of these later round guys. I think he's going to be 25. No, sir, I did not. <laughs> uh, 6'1", 208 pounds. Jumped 39.5 inches vertically. 4'4", 5'40". Uh, 4'17", short shuttle. And a 6'7", 5'3", cone. So that is interesting. But also, he's old. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But like he looked like that showed up on te- like I watched like one of his games. He looked pretty juicy. Yeah. So there you go. But he's old. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. 
maybe not the draft for safety, or maybe it is like testing isn't everything, and I need to watch more of these uh, guys. But the forty times were slow. Like I, I mean, safety is not going to be as quick as corner, but the, the forty times were pretty slow. I mean, Quandre Diggs ran a four five three or something, you know, and maybe yeah, which is wild. Speed, but... Yeah, that's a great point. Great point. Oh. And yeah, we should mention. Uh, uh, Jartavius Martin, Sydney Grounds teammate from Illinois, 5'10, 194 pounds, 44 inches vertical jump. Like, what? Um, and yeah. a 44640. So, and and he in the in like the pedal stuff, he looked like he had a bit of corner in him, like he the or or maybe a bit of slot, like the way he was uh pedaling and off and then t- uh turning in phase with vertical stems, like. It looked nice, so something to think about there. 